Hello everyone, I'm Cressida Cowell, author of How to Train Your Dragon, and I'm just popping in to tell you about my new book series, Which Way to Anywhere. It's a story about four children who discover that there are alternative worlds beyond our own, and that they can travel to them with the help of a magical map and a very special gift. Of course, this leads to epic, unexpected adventures. Which Way to Anywhere and its sequel, Which Way Round the Galaxy, are both available to buy now. Happy reading! Hello, this is the Fun Kids Bookworms podcast, where you get to find out about the best books from the people who write them. I'm Bex, and this week you're going to hear Sophie Dahl talk about her brand new book, and we have Ben Ockrey talking all things nature and COP26. Plus, I can squeeze in a few little uh, mentions of brilliant books that are coming out at the moment as well. So first up, let's check in with Sophie Dahl, shall we? Uh, She is Roald Dahl's granddaughter, you might know that, but she is also an author in her own right, and she's got a brand new book out called The Worst Sleepover Ever. So here's a chat I had with her all about it. I am joined right now by the author, Sophie Dahl. Hey, Sophie, how are you going? Hi, Bex. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. I have read your book and it is one of the sweetest books. It's really put me in a lovely mood for the day. So thank you for that. Has it made you ready for a sleepover? It's made me ready for a sleepover, but it's also made me want to control the sleepover to within an inch of its life. That's what it's it's done to me. I think this is a sensible response to the book. (laughs) Because of course, your new book, The Worst Sleepover in the World, um, it brought back a lot of memories for me uh, when I was younger, having sleepovers and planning the biggest, like bestest bonanza, like plenty of parties. But actually, it, it never goes according to plan, does it? Never goes according to plan. I've decided that sleepovers are a bit like New Year's Eve, where <laughs> you go into it with the best of intentions. You think you're going to have the most amazing time and then it never quite goes according to plan. It's um, always quite tricky. Yeah. Yeah. So that's and and that seems to be every sleepover I've been to, every sleepover we've had at our house. It just it seems to be a universal thing. Well, we had a sleepover once where we'd um my mum and dad had got um cooked pizzas for everybody and then while well, we'd had our back turned, the dog ate the pizza, so that was immediately gone. <laughs> well, it's normally the dog eating the pizza or somebody's sick. That's <laughs> that's also the other one that seems to be high up there. I was telling my kids uh, this morning that I once went on a sleepover where the mum um told me just before I went to sleep that they had a poltergeist in their house. <gasps> <laughs> I was awake most of the night. I was so scared. Um, and she said they had, they had a poltergeist that threw spoons and forks. So I just went to bed in mortal terror. Oh, wh- why would you tell anybody that, let alone a visitor in your house? I don't know. I don't know. It's strange. It was the 80s. <laughs> it's a different time, different time. Different time. Well, um, in, in your book, you have uh, lovely Ramona and you have her pal Gracie who comes round um, for what is expected to be the party of the season, let's face it. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what what happens at this big sleepover? So Ramona and her sister Ruby are really excited because Gracie is coming for their first ever sleepover. They've planned it all week. They're going to dance like wild things. They're going to throw putty on the ceiling. They're going to eat all these exotic snacks. And then Gracie gets there and Gracie has 
lots of likes and dislikes, and it just starts feeling not so fun. There are fun bits, but it starts gradually just feeling not so fun. Um, and mum is stuck is stuck in the middle. So it's about, I guess, navigating expectations and friendships. It is because it's that first friendship. It's their first sleepover. It's a really big deal. And, you know, in your head, you think sleepover, you think midnight feast. You think watching movies, playing games, chatting all night. Often what happens is you're asleep by 8pm and you've only had like a nibble of a sandwich. But still, the expectation is there. But I think slowly but surely, Ramona's realising that maybe maybe Gracie's not the, the, the most fun person she expected. <laughs> I think I think Gracie is really just a bit anxious because she's only been on one other sleepover and that hasn't gone so well so I think what happens is Gracie starts to unravel a bit and she starts telling stories that are you can tell there's a real edge to them so all of her stories have a slightly tragic bent and mum mum is really trying to keep the whole thing the show on the road um and yeah it's I think the other the other big piece of it is it's about how everything, however old you are, always feels better in the morning. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Mum is a hero, by the way, because she says that. She says, I think tomorrow morning will all be a bit better. And not only is she wise, she's also great at making pancakes. So she's she there in the morning <laughs> making them up. She, Yeah, she looks a little bit tired, a little <laughs> bit afraid, but she's making pancakes. I loved her. She, there's a line uh, which I'm sure if parents read it as well, they will absolutely clock this. There's a bit where she talks about how she used to work dancing on a Saturday night and there's like a slight level of like, but, you know, <laughs> things change. Expectations vary. Don't worry about it. Um, so I'm sure kids and parents will love this book in, in very different ways. Thank you. I hope so. <laughs> Uh, now, uh, tell me, were you a little bit inspired by Five Minutes Peace for, uh, by, um, as, as an author from years ago, Jill's, I want to say Murphy. Or She's so, called Jill Murphy. So Jill Murphy, yeah. So Jill Murphy uh, also wrote The Worst Witch. Um, Five Minutes Peace is a is a classic. So, yeah, I um, it's that's about the Large family. And Mrs. Large is just trying to go off and have a bath in peace. But her kids just keep wanting wanting her attention and her bath just is not the piece it's meant to be yeah i think that um that story is a is a classic in our house it's it's and again i think it's both kids and parents can really relate to it <laughs> It's, it absolutely. Well, who did you relate to more? Were you relating to uh, the kid characters because you obviously you've been a kid yourself and you've got kids, or were you relating to mum thinking, "Poor old mum, she needs to catch a break here." I think probably a bit of both because I do understand that feeling that you need to do your recorder solo right then and there <laughs> to your mum, even if she's having a bath um, or read a bit from your book. And also, I do understand as a parent that sometimes you just want to actually go into the bathroom and shut the door and not have anyone come in. <laughs> when it comes to your ideal sleepover, what what would you plan? What would you make sure happens on the perfect sleepover? My ideal sleepover would have, um, I would have lots of salted chocolate. I like chocolate. Uh, I like a mix of sweet and savoury. It would have... Um, some really good movies. What would I watch? Um, or actually, I'd watch Anne with an E back to back. 
Have you watched that at all? I haven't, but um, a lot of people have told me I would love it. It's so good. I would watch that. I would have salted chocolate. I might dance like a wild thing. And would I throw putty at the ceiling? Maybe. What would yours be? Well, I was thinking about this. I think um, I would have lots of popcorn, lots of chocolate, like yourself. I'm a big chocolate Mm -hmm. fan. Um, I think I'd have ambitions to stay up until four in the morning. Uh, but I think I'd fall asleep at about 11, probably, maybe 12. I think, I think I would fall asleep at nine. So you're, you're, <laughs> you're currently winning. And I think I would have a little Disney marathon. I think I'm talking like Coco, uh, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, like lots of back-to-back Disney films. I think that's what Heaven. I'd go for. Sophie, you've made me really, really want to sleep over now. <laughs> Good. So yeah. Good. That's what this book should do. And Not tell me, make do you, you dread a- one. No, absolutely not. Do you have a perfect pancake recipe as well? Are you like mum in this? Are you an excellent pancake maker? I'm a good pancake maker. Yeah, I do. uh, I do good crepes with Nutella or with sugar and lemon. But also I make because I lived in America for a long time. I make good American dollar pancakes, the thick ones. Oh, nice. So we're all going to come around to your house for pancakes, right? Yeah, you're welcome to stay up (laughs) all night and then eat my pancakes. Amazing. Now, before I let you go, Sophie, um, I do a little kind of quick fire round with authors on Fun Kids. Um, so I just wanted to do that with you now, if that's okay. Kind of this or yes. that kind of game, if that's right. Uh, lovely stuff. So first up is super easy. Books or Kindles? Books. Everyone says it. Heroes or villains? Ooh, both. Oh, okay. Film adaptation or TV adaptation? TV. Hmm. Night Owl or Early Bird? Night Owl. <laughs> Writing or reading? Both. Oh, both. Okay. That's, for some reason, every author finds that question very difficult to answer. <laughs> it's, really, it's really tricky to answer, that one. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I thought that would be a really easy one, but nobody, nobody's enjoyed that question so far. Um, Hogwarts or Narnia? Ooh. Ooh. Hogwarts. Okay, I appreciate it. it took you a little time there. Yeah. Um, do you use your laptop or do you write by hand? I used to write by hand and then I really had a case of the dog eating my homework because <laughs> I was staying with someone and I left my notebook downstairs and the dog ate it. <gasps> no, yeah. so you learned your lesson. Yeah, and that was with my first novel. And so ever after that, I wrote on a computer. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah, I can understand why. Um, do you write nine to five or do you write whenever you fancy? Um, I write, um, when do I write? I write probably 10 till three. Oh, very civilised hours. Yes. Yeah. I like that. Lovely. Uh, Paddington Bear or Winnie the Pooh? Paddington Bear. <laughs> that was very definite. Yeah. And finally, the big one, salt and vinegar or cheese and onion? Salt and vinegar. Yes! <laughs> it's the best one. Salt and vinegar. Cheese and onions a bit unsociable. Yes! Thank you. Yes. It's unsociable. Honestly, you could have said anything for the other questions. It's just that one I care about the most, <laughs> to be honest. Um, before I let you go, I just want to give a shout out as well to your illustrator because your obviously your story is brilliant, but also your, the pictures in the book are, are beautiful as well. You must have been super happy with how it all came together. He's so brilliant. He's called Luciano Lozano and his pictures are so, so funny. I'd seen another book that he illustrated, which I loved and it made me laugh out loud. And when I thought of this book in my head, his pictures just made it totally totally come to life I can't imagine the characters any other way 
Oh my goodness, they just, uh, those pictures capture the spirit of the book so well and just complement your writing. You must have been, yeah, you must have been thrilled with it. So thrilled. And also just like I, when I first held a copy in my hands, I just laughed because I love also there's a particular picture of Gracie when she's really, really tired and past it at the end of the night where she's about to have what she calls a very big shout. And <laughs> he, he just, he really gets it. It's honestly, it's such a wonderful book. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Hello, everyone. I'm Cressida Cowell, author of How to Train Your Dragon, and I'm just popping in to tell you about my new book series, Which Way to Anywhere. It's a story about four children who discover that there are alternative worlds beyond our own and that they can travel to them with the help of a magical map and a very special gift. Of course, this leads to epic, unexpected adventures. Which Way to Anywhere and its sequel, Which Way Round the Galaxy, are both available to buy now. Happy reading. Thank you very much to Sophie. She was probably brilliant. I want to be her best friend. Uh, next up, we also spoke recently to a poet and author, Ben Ockrey. Now, not only has Ben released a beautiful brand new book full of amazing pictures about helping save nature, he was also telling me a bit about COP26 and about how he thinks that we can look after the planet around us. So here is what happened when I met Ben. Uh, so I am joined right now by Booker Prize winning author. Hello, uh, Ben Ockrey. Hi, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. Very well, in spite of the way the world is. Well, in spite of the world, uh, you've managed to be with us virtually, which is brilliant. Uh, I, um, I've i got a bone to pick with you, I'm not going to lie. Um, I read your book this morning and it made me cry. I, I cried on the way to the Fun Kids studio because it's so beautiful, but also um, a little bit sad. Uh, it is called um, Every Leaf Hallelujah. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about it? Well, it's um, it's an environmental fairy tale for people between the ages of five and 105. Um, and it tells the story of um, uh, the, the, the devastation of a, of a, of a forest um, near a village or a small town um, somewhere in, in Africa. Um, you can pick your country, but I, I wrote it with a particular place in mind, but left it open. And it's about this uh, little girl. Uh, she's seven, seven years old, and her name is Mangoshi. And it is um, on her shoulders to go to the forest and find a very special flower that can save her mother. Her mother is very ill and also save her village. Um, she goes to find this flower and fails. Um, a year later, she makes another attempt. And this is the story of her courage um, and of the amazing things she discovers about the terrible things that we human beings are doing to, to, to our trees and to forests and therefore to ourselves. Yeah, because when she's in the forest, she kind of hears these voices and it suddenly occurs to her, there's no people nearby, but there are lots of brilliant, very old uh, trees who are trying to kind of guide her in the right way of realising why cutting them down isn't, isn't the best thing to do and how other humans have been doing that. Yes, absolutely. She um, stumbles into that very special state of grace whereby she could hear the trees talking. And it's a very important part of the book. And it is not as fanciful as, uh, as we think. I think, and many people think, that nature talks to us all the time. Um, it's just that we don't listen. Uh, nature has been talking to us and helping us and guiding us and warning us. Um, and we, we, we've not been listening. 
it does feel, especially actually with our listeners, I know there is a big uh, knowledge and push to to help prevent climate change more than ever before, um, especially with obviously COP26 happening at the moment, lots of, of, of climate change chat as well. Do you think um, Greta Thunberg and that kind of like movement is helpful? And did you kind of think about her and, and the younger generation when you were writing this book? Yes, I think I think I think I think people like Greta are very very helpful, um, uh, but I but I think there's a there's a whole range of young young voices. Some are angry, some are very constructive. Some young people feel that you've got to work with everybody. Um, they just want to, they just want to solve the problem. Um, so yes, I was very aware and very inspired by by those by those younger voices of which Greta is a very. Is a very prominent example, but there are many others as well. Um, I was very inspired by my daughter. We would go for walks along the canal near where I live, and, and she was the one who st- first started using uh, a stick to pull out um, uh, plastic um, uh, bags from 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 the canal. She she was the one who, you know, it it seemed like such a a, a little and uh, pointless and unsuccessful thing to do, but just just to see her. A four-year-old already sort of raking out plastic from the canal. It kind of makes you kind of makes you feel like a, a whole generation has been born with a with a with a with a mental shift already in place. It's quite amazing. There is a lovely bit in the book where the trees kind of take Mangoshi on this uh, journey around the world. And, and show her it's not just happening where she is. It's it's literally everywhere. It, you know, you go to Africa, you go to England. This is happening everywhere you go to as well. Uh, and and obviously very, very lovely, but also just so sad when you see the trees be like, this is happening everywhere. Yeah, it's a universal disaster. It's a catastrophe. It's, um, it's um, you know, the, the trees are older than us as a, as a, as a species. You know, we, we, they were here before we turned up. You know, they, they were already sort of stabilizing the planet, already sort of doing their work, um, kind of living, living their lives um, before, before we evolved and, and, and 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 joined the the, the the great story and then proceeded to to to, to ruin it. They are our elders. I mean, I mean, it really is worth remembering that. You know, nature, the trees, they are our elders. They are they are they're in many ways wiser than us because they've been around longer. They've seen successive cycles of the follies of of of, of human beings and human civilization. They they know us. You know, they know how stupid we can be. They also know how brave we can be. They also know how wise we can be if we see, if we really see. And I think that's part of the problem. Um, it's a universal catastrophe. It's happening all across the, all across the world. We are, we are burning up our future. Every tree that we destroy, every forest that we raise down for money, we are burning up the future of this planet and the future of our children. And we're burning it up. We're using it up for nothing. It's not, we're not using it for anything that will grow in the future. We're just we're just destroying time, and 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 we're just we're just wasting um, our destiny. Yeah, I reading the book. Uh, you, I mean, obviously, it's something I know is very important. But it's almost like when you put the words in the mouths of the trees, and when there's a bit when uh, she hugs the tree, I was like, oh my goodness, yeah, trees can feel things. And I, it did occur to me, like, you're right. You know, they've been here a lot longer than we have, and we kind of need them. And also, I should say, your illustrations in the book are beautiful. They really bring oh. it to life as well. You must be so happy. Oh, I really, I'm really glad oh. you mentioned that. They're done. They're <laughs> done by. <laughs> they're done by. Uh, uh, a wonderful uh, uh, um, it, Af- uh, African-Italian lady called uh, Diana Egiata. 
she's a painter uh, as well as an illustrator. This is her first book. And you could tell she just poured, she just lavished, uh, poured her love in, in, into, into, into this first book of collaboration. Um, and it's partly because she was pregnant with her first child while she was, while she was doing this work. So she just felt this double, this double burden, I think, and this double inspiration. It was, it was really wonderful. Yeah, they are. They're beautiful, those illustrations. Um, now, before I let you go, I, I mean, it sounds like a boring question, but I, I've asked this question to a few people. I find it fascinating. Do you have a favorite tree? And by that, I mean either a type of tree or a specific tree in a place that you go to maybe, or, or one that brings you peace. Is there one tree in the world that is your favorite tree of all of them? Yeah, I do. I do have a favorite tree and it's, in, it's, 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 um, it's just at the back in my park, in the park where I, where I live. And I go and sit, sit against it and, and, and read. And, you know, um, when I'm feeling a little low, I lean against it. And by the time I'm, I'm, I'm done with thinking, I feel better. Um, I, I hover around it. Its shade is really lovely. I bring friends to it, my family. They all know, they all, they all know this tree. But then I've made friends with quite a few trees. Um, I, think, I think trees are, I think, I, th- I think we make a mistake when we think the trees are, uh, it, it was somehow not sentient. Um, they have a consciousness. They have a presence. Every tree has a presence. Every tree has a character. Every tree has a personality. Uh, there's some grump. They're grumpy trees. They're they're humorous trees. I've, uh, you know, I if if you if you just sit if you just sit and read against a tree, you get different moods um, from from different trees. It's it's, it's, it's quite extraordinary. Um, I love that so much. I, I love the idea that you've made a tree the part of your family a little bit. Yeah, well, when we go past, we go past and we say hello. We just hang around <laughs> under her, and I think of her as a her. We just just hang around under her and we play, and then we we go home. Everyone feels better. I don't know. Trees trees have a kind of a silent magic. Um, yeah. Um, so we should say every leaf at Hallelujah is out super soon. Is it the fourteenth of October? Is that right? Have I made? That oh, up? you can choose a date. Fourteenth is good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll say that. Uh, so, Ben, thank you so much for talking to us and uh, congratulations on the book. Just a little reminder before we go, there are loads of brilliant big new books in the world right now, including Mickey and the Missing Spy by Anne Miller. Now, in this book, Mickey is the only human agent in the top secret animal spy organisation, Cobra. Uh, Mickey promised never to let humans know about this band of animal spies, but when her hero and codebreaker extraordinaire Hildegard L. McTavish disappears, Mickey has to investigate. That sounds like a really fun book if you love your kind of adventure stories. There's also Rock War Boot Camp by Robert Muchmore. Uh, Jay, Summer, Dylan and their bandmates are heading to the Rock War Manor. But the rock star life of music festivals and glitzy premieres isn't all it's cracked up to be. Hmm. Tell me about it. I should know. I've been to a few of them. Uh, so if you want to check out those books, go and see them online or in your local bookshops right now. And remember, if you are reading something brilliant, let me know. Go to funkidslive.com and drop me a line. That's pretty much it for today's episode of Bookworms. Uh, remember to be in touch at funkidslive.com, just like I said. And I'm pretty sure that if you're reading a book right now, I want to know all about it, please. So I'll see you again super soon. Remember, I am on Fun Kids every weekday from four till seven. You can listen to me on your DAB digital radio online, on the free Fun Kids mobile app and on your smart speaker. Just say play Fun Kids every weekday from 4pm. See ya. Hello everyone, I'm Cressida Cowell, author of How to Train Your Dragon, and I'm just popping in to tell you about my new book series, Which Way to Anywhere. 
It's a story about four children who discover that there are alternative worlds beyond our own and that they can travel to them with the help of a magical map and a very special gift. Of course, this leads to epic, unexpected adventures. Which Way to Anywhere and its sequel, Which Way Round the Galaxy, are both available to buy now. Happy reading!